All right, and we're supposedly live. Uh, we're just checking real quick to make sure everything's there. Uh, is the show up there yet on the stream? Yeah, yeah it's showing up for me. We're good. We're good. Good? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right, well, I'm going to close that down and start that all over again. All right, and we're live, hopefully for good this time. Uh, this is Anchorman uh, V2, a.k.a. Ivan. Thank you guys for tuning in to Multiverse Show. Uh, we're just uh, doing a little uh, technical stuff, had some updates to OBS as we host our show. Sorry for not having a show last week. Uh, it was kind of hectic. I had to cancel the show last minute. I put that on Twitter for you guys. Uh, it was not our, our normal plan for things. Uh, um, so we are going to get started uh, for this evening. Uh, Sam, we are up and live. Does it show up right? That is correct. All right, so we're good to go. All right. First off, we have our introductions for the evening. We have Mr. Mike P. The Truth, or Don at the Legion. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's Mike. Thank you for tuning in for another great episode of the Multiverse Show. As always, we have an awesome show planned for everybody tonight, so let's get it started. All right. And we also have uh, Samuel Tolbert from Windows Central. Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be back here with my bros. Let's uh, let's get this spooky, scary energy going. <laughs> yep, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up for you guys. Uh, uh, this is uh, the first show in October, uh, so we are kicking off Spooktober this year. Uh, but first off, as we kind of get everything uh, rolling on this end here, what have you guys been playing? Sam, kick us off here. What have you been playing, sir? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of the new game from Motive Montreal Studios, and that is Star Wars Squadrons. Um, are either of you guys playing this? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I personally have not had a chance to play it yet. Okay. No, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing what you say about it. Yeah, no, so basically what this game is, and I do not mean this in a bad way at all, is it's the flying portion of Battlefront 2 expanded and turned into a full game. They took that mode and they just expanded the bejesus out of it. This is honestly very close to being like a pilot sim, almost. Like, you can freely look around your cockpit and you have to look behind you. You can adjust the throttle speed. You can rotate your ship. You can manage your power and balance it between different systems. So if you're willing to cut the engines, you know, you can give your lasers a massive boost to just cut your enemy to ribbons. Or you can reinforce your front shields if you're taking a big ship head on. It feels really cool. It just it feels right feels like a great Star Wars game. I mean, it's very difficult in ways, but they do a lot in the campaign to sort of on-ramp you. The campaign is basically an extended tutorial, right? Like, it's, okay, the Empire's remnants are fighting the New Republic after Episode Six. Like, the story is, it's whatever. It's an excuse to have you in those ships out there fighting, and it feels really good. I lose track of time when I'm playing it. And if you need more convincing to go grab it, it's only 40 bucks. It's not 60 like uh, most games are, especially EA games. It's only 40 bucks, and it supports full cross-play across all platforms. Nice. So, like, seriously, give it a look. Now, my only question, at least regarding that, is it, does it allow you to get out of the ship and like, go on other, people, on other people's ships, or no? Is it still, like, a Battlefront, or no? I'll let you... Uh, I'm sorry, you kind of broke up for me. What was that? Uh, so, like, in other Battlefront games, like Rogue Squadron and such, you could fly around like these big space battles and you go to these cruisers and you could get off into the hangar bay and go, okay, you do that at all? Or no, it's just, okay. just pilot combat. Okay, no, no. This is focused solely on pilot combat. You start out in the hangar of your ship as you're selecting and customizing your loadout and whatnot, but like, that's it. After that, you, uh, you go back and like, you, you're not trying to board the enemy ships like in Battlefront. You're just trying to bring them down. End of the story. Gotcha. So I have a question, Sam, as far as the maneuverability and handling of the ships, because what you were describing, it seems like in some ways it's mechanically similar, at least, to Elite Dangerous, and not that the, the, the flying and the combat is as in-depth as that, but, you know, when I played Elite Dangerous, uh, one of the things that kind of pushed me away from it was I felt there was a really steep learning curve as far as the controls. How are the controls in the game and the ship handling and everything? I don't think it was too confusing to figure out. Like, it's definitely, it's, I say it was complicated. It's more complicated than Battlefront 2's is. Like I said, they, they expanded the controls out, but it's not too bad once you get your hands on it. It's, 
it's basic maneuverability and the important thing to keep in mind is you don't always have to hand, have your hand on the sticks you can just set your throttle and adjust and then you know freely look around the cockpit or stuff like that all the ships handle well to me but it is important to keep in mind that they all handle differently if you're in a y-wing you know it's very big and bulky and it can't turn well but it has heavy shields and armor so it can just tank a lot of hits. Whereas if you're in a TIE Interceptor or a, not Empire, a uh, New Republic A-Wing, then you can just flit around and zoom around and go faster than anyone else. But you're going to get you know cut to ribbons pretty quickly if anything actually does hit right. you. It's a different balance, and you can find different ships. I actually would recommend for new players, like the X-Wing is probably the best balance or the regular TIE Fighter, and then you can expand out from there when you're ready to leave your comfort zone. All right, that's awesome. Uh, what have you been playing, Mike? Uh, guys, I fell into the rabbit hole, so... I downloaded Animal Crossing New Horizons. I figured, well, they got this Halloween thing going on. You know, maybe now is a good time to download the game and check it out. This is the first time that I've played an Animal Crossing game. I don't have any experience with the series prior to this. It is very easy, and I did fall into that rabbit hole. Um, a lot of the things that you're doing, especially in the early goings where I'm at now, where I have like about, th I'm in like my third day seems mundane but i don't know there's just something about the gameplay loop that just hook that just hooks you in and i could definitely see why the game is so popular and why it has the following that it does so i mean other than that i've been playing a little bit of uh super mario 3d all-stars also but that's really been the main thing especially over the past couple of days has been animal crossing uh, really enjoying it i know uh i know our uh our friend dollface there uh she loves animal crossing but she Wait, wait. I had to go. Anyway, uh, so we also have Spooktober. Uh, as you guys know, for our long-term fans, month of October, first time we have a show in October, uh, we normally give our suggestions things to uh, So this year we got four different weeks. Uh, so each week we're going to be giving our suggestions. We know per person here. Uh, but this week, uh, to kind of catch up on stuff, we're going to give you two suggestions each uh we normally mix it up between movies and tv shows anime video games something along those lines to get you guys going uh, the only rule of thumb we really follow here is it's got to be uh something in that kind of halloween vibe not necessarily just being somewhat scary or like oh yeah it has aliens something like that. it has to actually be something that's more of a for tone to it not necessarily like scary per se but something in that kind of so we're gonna get things started here um does anyone want to go first or let me go my first round first yeah i can go first all right what you got mike so i actually have a movie and a game so that'll be my two for this week so as far as my, the movie um first of all this doesn't count as my as, as my official submission if you haven't seen The Witch, please go see it. It's fantastic. It's probably the best horror movie I've ever seen. Anyway, so my pick for this week. Um, it is a film that came out, I believe, in 2016 um, called Lights Out. Um, was directed by David F. Sandberg and produced by James Wan, um, who some of you may know from The Conjuring, and I believe he did Sinister and some other horror movies as well. So this movie I thought was really well done because it takes a concept where I haven't seen it done in a movie before, but it's like, huh, why didn't anybody think of this before? So basically it's about a demon that when the lights are on, you're not able to see it. But when the lights are off, you're able to see its silhouette, which is where it gets the name lights out. And the movie does a really good job of building tension and getting some scares out of that. Um, not cheap scares either, although there are some jump scares, but mostly it's just about the atmosphere and the overall creepy factor. And the film actually does have a good story behind it, too, to back it up, which is something that you typically don't see with a lot of modern horror, horror films. Um, so that's definitely definitely one that I would totally recommend. Um, if you have a chance to see that, definitely check it out. As far as my game is concerned, this is going to be an, a pretty obvious one of a game that came out this generation. I'm going to go with Atlas on this. 
in in my opinion, the truly the scariest games are the ones that disempower the player. Um, and certain games to this generation have done that to an extent. Um, Resident Evil 7 is, a, is an example of that, and the Resident Evil 2 remake is, is an example of that. I have never felt so disempowered in a game before as I did when I was playing Outlast. Um, of course, there's it's mostly a stealth-based game, but you feel completely helpless as you're playing this game. The AI is really smart. Um, the atmosphere is off the charts. Most of the game is played is played in dark hallways, dark areas, things like that. Um, the enemies pursue you relentlessly. It's got a good story to back it up. This game stressed me out so much. This has never happened with me before. This is the first game. I got about halfway through it, and I literally could not finish the game because I was so stressed out playing it. That's the effect that this game has on you and how much it immerses you in the experience. I actually had to watch a Let's Play to get the other half of the game. Um, dude, I totally this is definitely Yeah, dude, I, I tried playing that game in college. I, got, I, I made sure, especially, like I wouldn't get freaked out because I'm not a big horror game person. But man, right. I, I remember I waited till like 11 o'clock in the morning, like sun's out, like birds chirping, put a little music on in the background, all the lights are on. I got so, does not help at all. I got so sucked into the game. I got, I got so terrified, like the first level, where you're literally just walking, like you could climb a ladder or something to go into like the second floor of the room. I got so stressed out in a room where nothing happens. There's nothing there. Uh, and there are stretches of the game where nothing's going on, but trust me, you're never bored. Like, I've never experienced that in a game before. So, I mean, if you really like horror and you have nerves of steel, then definitely Outlast would be my pick. I think I quit. I'm not the biggest... I'm not the biggest fan of, like, horror games where the player is disempowered. It's actually not something I like. But I will say, I do enjoy a lot of the original Outlast. I I'm not so fond of the second one, but the first one is a very good horror ride, for sure. Man, I... I don't know what else that that game really was experience like i think i ended up quitting because i got so stressed out at the basement level like i i got so stressed out i had to stop playing but yeah um anyway so next little bit there sam what are your submissions for yeah so my first submission is a movie and it is a slasher of sorts, I guess, but really I think it's better called a thriller. And it's called Hush. Have either of you seen this film? No, it's on my list, though. Not my yes, list. Netflix. Yes, it's on Netflix. I'm, I won't say too much, but I, I just want to give the basic concept. Anyone who knows me, I'm not really a big fan of slashers. Uh, I'm not, actually. I, I, I think most of them are lazy. I think some of them, like the original, maybe Halloween or the original Friday the 13th, had a lot more thought put into them but i've become very critical of the genre as time has gone on and it's basically just become an excuse of oh how many different ways can we kill teenagers uh, but um that's not what hush is hush is a film about a deaf woman who you know she lives by herself out in the woods you know she can't speak and she can't hear she she lost them i think it's said in the film due to meningitis and one night as a friend is leaving the house uh, this woman, whose name is Maddie, becomes attacked by a mass serial killer who very quickly catches on to the fact that she is deaf. And so the tension is just the entire film is this cat and mouse game between the two of them as she has to try and take advantage of you know what she knows about the area. And he's clearly taking advantage of the fact that she can't hear anything or speak, you know, and cry for help. And it, it does a lot of very interesting things. It's a very low budget. Um, it was done by Blumhouse Productions. I think the budget was maybe a million dollars, maybe, at, at absolute max. Uh, it was directed by Mike Flanagan. And it, it, it's, very, it's a very interesting, refreshing take on the genre. I would highly recommend. I second that. I did see the movie. It's fantastic. I would highly recommend it as well. Great choice. 
And your other pick? Sorry, you can't pick up for me. You're a little, you're a little rough for me. Oh, I said, and your other pick? Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit, man. Uh, hello, is that better? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. we go. That's better. There you right. go, man. Is it in your other pick? Oh, yeah, so my other pick, a little more obvious, but uh, no less good in my opinion. That is a video game, and it's Alien Isolation. Um, one of the best horror games this generation. I've been watching a friend stream it recently. I've been, <laughs> If I wasn't so busy, I'd be playing it again myself right now. Alien Isolation is the best alien game we've ever gotten. Just the entire layout of the station. It is a love letter to the original film with, you know, the blocky VCR, you know, industrial style technology. It's not the sleek future you see in a lot of other sci-fi movies. Very, very industrial, very rough. And I don't want to spoil too much. But the entire setup is the daughter of Ellen Ripley, Amanda Ripley, is a 24, 25-year-old woman. She's an engineer, and she's called on a station, uh, on a repair trip to a station, Sebastopol, that is in the process of being dismantled. And spoiler alert, there is an alien on the station. And you don't have any weaponry capable of killing the alien. You can dispatch, like, the rogue androids or the thieves and looters and, you know, the murderers, like the humans who have just formed gangs on the station, but you can't actually dispose of the alien itself. And while I do think it's a little long, in terms of gameplay and setting and atmosphere, it's absolutely fantastic. And I would definitely recommend it. Um, so for mine... I got one that doesn't count just because uh, we don't normally recommend other podcasts on this show unless they're one of podcasts one of our guys is on. Uh, we don't normally do that, um, but I do suggest one. Uh, I found them through Spotify, but I think they're on other things too. Uh, Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Um, I've been listening to them for like the last two months, uh, mainly on between drives. Uh, like for, like I have like a 30-minute drive I do for commuting. And so I let me listen to them on the way home uh, when it's dark. And it, it's absolutely great. They're a little, um, it, it's like an hour and a half long show, um, between an hour, hour and a half. They're normally like 20 minute long stories that are done. Um, and those guys do an excellent job, really well done. Uh, it's not just creepypastas, but it's like original stories as well. Um, normally pretty good. Um, most of the time episodes are like there's normally like it's a it's the same problem like as a Twilight Zone like you're gonna find out like a a really poor written one. Uh, most of the time uh, shows go like uh, have a great concept but there's no payoff to it. Um, someone who gets stuck with a bad script but they do a really good job voice acting for it. Where in rare occasions you get both where it's great concept, great delivery, and it's just those are those are the those are the ones where it's worth listening. Um, I'm not going to spoil anything on the show. Um, if you want to talk about it sometime, hit me up at an Xbox party or something like that. I will gladly talk to you about some of the great episodes I've heard. Really, it's a, it's an absolute blast. Um, that one doesn't count because it's a podcast. But my two suggestions for time. Uh, this is actually a new fad among us. Uh, this game that's been floating around lately. Have you guys played it at all yet? No, I haven't. It's on PC for like six bucks, or you can play it on your phone for free. Oh my god, it is a fun game. Um, it's set up like the thing where it's like you have a group of like eight guys, or, or sorry, there's actually ten, ten survivors. Um, it's set up very well. Everyone's given like a role, and they have certain tasks they have to perform around this spaceship. Like, uh, oh, empty the trash chutes, uh, refill the, the gas, fill the engine room with gas. Um, go to the weapons thing and shoot asteroids out of our path. Um, every so often, like th certain things will happen to the ship. Like, oh, running out of oxygen. You got 30 seconds to restart the oxygen thing, and everybody starts freaking out about that. Or the power will go out, so you have to go reboot re everything. It's not presented in a scary manner, but it leads to some great thriller elements. Um, because the, the part that makes it so good that there's an imposter on the ship. And this imposter has, is charged with killing all the other members. Um, so if you guys ever play, like, uh, there's a game, there's a, a, not an actual video game, but there's a game called, like, Mafia or Werewolf at Midnight, um, other versions of that. You have to find out who the imposter is amongst the group. So, like, if you discover a dead body, 
Like the killer has like a 30 second cooldown between killing people. You can't just kill people with really. Um, they can also go in events and sabotage rooms locked in the room together. Little little things like that. So you actually have to systematically figure out who is the imposter. And there's like a chat beforehand that's like a minute before you vote to kick people out. Um, it, it really is a lot of fun. Um, it will start making you guess things and question people. When you get a good lobby of people, beautiful game. But it's honestly a, a much better game if you play it other people, like at a party together, and you're you're playing together and vi verbally talking to each other and trying to figure out who the kid is. Absolute. Um, other than that, uh, my other suggestion is actually um, more of a, a children's horror movie. Did you guys ever see The Witches? No, I haven't. No, I didn't either, actually. <laughs> it's on Netflix now. Um, this is a movie made for children. It is not made for children, though. Very terrifying. <laughs> it's one of the most PG films. Well, on. So it's Roald Dahl. So it's one of those, like, okay, it's kind of creepy in a non-creepy fashion, I guess. It's a Roald Dahl book they made into a movie. Uh, it's got Angelica Houston as the titular head witch. Um, but then they also have Rowan Atkinson as a hotel manager. Like, he's the biggest name star there. It's very weird, but it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Um, but the cool part is the production company is uh, Jim Henson. So there is a ton of special effects in this one, but they're all practical. And they are really good. And honestly, if you freeze frame some of these, these are terrifying. It's like, oh my god. Like, so the, the premise, it's a, it's a children's movie premise. Um, there are witches in this world. There are certain ways to tell them apart. Um, his parents die, and he's living with his grandmother. And the grandmother takes him to this uh, hotel because she's diagnosed with diabetes. They don't really treat it like diabetes at all. <laughs> like, treat it like it's like, oh, it's a cold. <laughs> oh, just stop eating sugar and have a nice holiday at the beach. That's, but it doesn't matter. Um, they stumble upon a convention of witches, and they have a plan to turn all the children into mice. Um... There is one particular part, well, there's a lot of it, honestly, a lot of transformation stuff. But, like, this stuff is, like, an attempt at a P-13 version of American Werewolf and Transformation. It is terrifying. Yes. They have one where they turn this kid into a mouse, and it's not like, oh, yeah, you turn into a mouse. It's, like, over a period of 30 seconds, this kid is, like, shaking, convulsing, sweating boils like his face is like stretching out and doing stuff and it's like oh my god this is not made for children it comes from that lovely time when we had films like gremlins and the dark crystal where it's like let's traumatize the kids just right oh, this is worse than gremlins this is oh worse wow than gremlins. wow like, nice Go watch that tonight. Like, it's it's like an hour and a half. Just just watch that for a little bit. It is really messed up. But anyway, um, that that's my suggestion list for uh, spook. Okay, uh, well, we next next week to talk about uh, more stuff like that. We actually had to get some of our topics tonight. Um, so first up on the docket, uh, one thing I wanted to hope James was gonna be on, but James actually had an accident today. He's he's gonna go right now. Um, so we're hoping he's going to be okay. Um, out of time. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk about this. So there's been a lot of um, upheaval going on. Like, I live in North Carolina, and they just decided to open up movie theaters <laughs> this last Friday. He just decided to do it. But then on that very day, we got news that Regal Cinemas here in the U.S., I think it's Cineworld is the equivalent in the U.K. Yeah. Um, they yep. announced they're going to be closing down operations indefinitely. So this is actually terrifying, and I think I didn't know if like, I didn't hear confirmation, but I know there was speculation that AMC was going to be closing as well. Yep. At least indefinitely. Um, 
Dave, do you have any more details on that than I, I don't recall? Fortunately, no, because I was kind of busy today. I was expecting James yeah. to cover that, but my understanding is AMC will be shutting down as well. Yes. And this is, to be clear, this is not like permanent shutdown, but this is like, mm -hmm. okay, we're shutting down until we know things are getting back together. Um, this has been something that's been a very strange time for people because we really don't know what's going to happen right now. Um, I know a lot of people were hoping that Lumumon was going to pull through and then they moved up to streaming as an option. And then I know a lot of people were banking on Tenet being the one to get people back on board. And apparently that didn't really work per se. But I, I think, I know Sam and I talked about this like in uh, April. Like this may be the end of like the movie industry as we know it as being like, yep. a large scale thing. And right now, since we don't know what's going to happen, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's it's very... I wish I had James inside here. It's very uncertain times as to what on earth is going to happen. But I'll be honest, I'm not feeling confident in the film industry moving forward. I'm just... I'm just not. It doesn't seem like everything is okay. It seems like Tenant actually really hurt things because now theaters are going to be even more uncertain about opening. And that was, you know, that was a big Chris Nolan production. And that wasn't able to get people out there. What is? You know, what's actually going to be able to get, you know, butts in seats? I, I don't know. And there's also the fact that we have cases spiking all over the U.S. and in Europe in places. So I don't know what to tell y'all. I really don't, except to say these big companies seriously need to start thinking about putting stuff on streaming and on demand. I realize you won't be making as much money, but you probably would be making at least something, which right now you're just not. Right now you just have to sit on all these films. So many films just keep on getting pushed back, keep on getting pushed back. Didn't we find out that uh, the Dune movie has been pushed to 2021? Yep. Like yes, ten, that is correct. Ten month delay. Yeah, yeah, like 10, 11 month delay. The Batman is almost certainly getting delayed because Doom now comes out on the same day as the Batman. So the Batman is almost certainly getting delayed. Uh, several films are currently tentatively scheduled for like March or April next year. I'm not even sure if that'll happen. Like, y'all, I'm seriously not certain that things will be stable enough for them to even open up then because that's only in a few months. You know, we're in October here, and it doesn't seem like we're actually any closer. You know, I don't, I don't know. I just, I have, a lot of film companies and a lot of people in general have this weird idea that things just get magically fixed the moment we hit January 2021, and I don't think that's the case. I just don't. I don't think it's the case either, and I agree with what you were saying, Sam. I mean... These companies have to really strongly consider just putting their stuff out on streaming because th these delays have been have been too difficult to count. Um, and, you know, they have to think of a way because movie viewers like me, right? I'm the type of person where I go to the where I'll go to the movies maybe once or twice a year, like. It's got to be something I really, really want to see to go to the seat to go to the theater to see it. Um, so to give you to give you guys some perspective, last year I saw Godzilla: King of the Monsters in theaters when that came out, um, and the next movie I saw after that was Joker. So, like for me to go to the theater, movies that are coming up, um, Godzilla versus Kong, I was planning on seeing that in the theater. Um, that's been delayed and now again until May, I believe. And Many Saints of Newark, which was pushed back from, it was supposed to come out last month, and now I believe that's in March. Um, so something like that might take moviegoers like me that only go maybe one or two times a year and force them to say, you know what, F it, I'm just not going to go at all. And they need a way to make up that revenue. And I think them releasing movies on streaming platforms and on demand is going to be the best way for them to do that because you can't just keep pushing everything back in perpetuity either. So they're kind of at a crossroads with where they're at now. I think on top of that too, like honestly, I don't think the movie industry can sustain being what it is currently 
where it's more it's more dependent on trying to get as many people in the theater as possible. I don't think that's going to be possible going forward. I think what's going to have to end up happening is a, a smaller service kind of thing. Like you you could still have some of the larger theaters for certain events and stuff like you know Avengers big like that. Um it's going to just definitely put butts in seats. But in terms of just being like commercially viable, it's going to have to be like a smaller thing but like a, a pricier ticket. Like hey, you want to go see this movie? Gonna be like a, a movie tavern experience. Be like a hey, pay us twenty dollars as opposed to ten or thirteen. Like uh, that. I mean, here, here, that's how much a movie ticket is. But I'm saying, if it, if you could increase it going forward, where it's gonna be like, hey, we're shooting for a premium experience. We're not just gonna do as many people butts of seats as possible. That's gonna how you have to how they make things up for it. Like it just, it's not like it's sustainable right now. In its current state, at least. Depends on regionally, too, I think, though, because around where I live, if you want to see like a big budget movie in IMAX, a lot of the theaters around me, that's $25, that's a $25 ticket right there for one ticket. And so at the same time, it's like, how much realistically can they increase that price without turning people off? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you're also talking about an IMAX ticket. I'm just talking like a bare bones. You're gonna go see the movie. Oh, oh, oh yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, like no, 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 no. Uh, so for us, it's gotcha. like uh, what's it? Um, yeah, because by me, it costs about the same for just the bare bones movie ticket around ten bucks. Yeah, I mean, for us, it's like t- ten or thirteen bucks. Like here, here in North Carolina, South Carolina, that that's a typical price. Um, but like normally for me, like I go get luxury seating. Like I, I have a theater I prefer to go to, and it's because I, I am willing to pay for a movie I want to go see. I will pay the money to have a recliner and that kind of. Stuff. I will do that. It has to be a premium type of experience. Unfortunately, I think actually, unfortunately, I think that's how it's gonna have to be. Where it's like, uh, like a regular trip's gonna be at least fifty bucks per person, or for them to be viable to make up the difference for lost people. Uh, that's the thing. Until at least things get back to normal. But hey, if things do go back to normal next year and they don't, they like, just keep pushing back movies. Like you could literally have a brand new movie launching every single week. Got blockbuster after blockbuster, pouring people in the theater. <laughs> but <laughs> true, very true. That's yeah. true. Anyway, so that's one thing. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we move on to the next topic? Nope. Think most that. Yeah, I think I am too. Gotcha. All right. So uh, other thing too. Uh, so over the weekend we had uh, PlayStation Five got their hands on experience now. Now, over last week, Xbox had been shipping out uh, Series X units for uh, reviewers and opinions on. Um, I know that there was a limitation, though, on certain things they could talk about. But right now, it was limited to the hardware and uh, backwards compatibility impressions. Um, and I think largely everybody was pretty positive about that, um, mostly because it was saying, hey, look, there's a bunch of, bunch of backwards compatibility games that aren't really optimized. We're uh, next gen yet, but just mm-hmm. look how we can brute. <laughs> just look what we can do, and that's been very interesting to watch. Um, I know, like one of the benchmark games, like Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, one of those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. Shadow of the Tomb. Raider. Yeah, that's one that's like, normally considered the benchmark game for people to play. Um, that one is uh very interesting to watch. Like they were talking about, like this thing is pushing out, like it's just doing, without even being. But that was uh, Xbox, PlayStation did a little differently. They did a uh, an actual event, so you could actually. Uh, it was mainly just limited to Japan, so uh, people got to go and see PlayStation Five in person, do impressions. Um, I got the impression that people enjoyed it. Um. Again, like the, I didn't see it, but no one's like picked up the console or anything to like try to put their hands near it. 
size comparison help at all. I, I don't know. Did anything else slip out of there that I noticed? I, I didn't notice here. Uh, yeah, that was basically it. They weren't allowed to show off the UI, so we still don't know what the UI is. They weren't allowed to show off the create button, so we still don't know how the create button is different from the share button. My personal theory, just want to broadcast this right now, timestamp it, whatever. The fact is, um, I don't think it's actually that big of a deal. I think they're hyping up something that isn't really that big of a hype up. Like, I think it, you pro it's probably just like an inbuilt, oh, add filters and emojis and whatever to your clips or your pictures. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I bet it makes it like way to get for something. That's yeah, it. yeah. Because they've exactly, been really pushing exactly. that lately with all like, oh, look, uh, we, we released a bunch of Last of Us Part 2 gifts. Like, yeah, making making your own GIF would totally be the kind of thing. Heck, I'd take advantage of it. Um, more interestingly, they did show some Godfall gameplay. I don't think that game looks interesting. However, it basically has no load time. They showed uh, people dying in the game, and then it says, you know, press B to, you know, get back in the action, and then it's instantaneous. It's just like, it's, it, it's not even a second. I'm serious. It, it's fractions of a second. That is very impressive. Um, that's that's really cool, but that that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um. Then there's also whatever the the guy they've been using the the meat guy now, where he's like blowing into the controller. He looks happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. I mean, there's there's the meme guy going around. So, hey, we got that out of it. <laughs> so, um, other than that. Lot of stuff to really talk about. Um, I don't know. Remind me here. I don't recall PlayStation like showing off all that much, like far out from launch. I mean, all we really saw was like, here's the controller, here's the uh, thing. Like, I don't recall they showed mm -hmm. the UI for PlayStation for to like maybe a week. That that yeah. seems about right. Like they don't. They, I don't know. I I recall them playing everything very close to the chest last gen. They're just waiting to, they just do reaction stuff to everybody else. That's what I remember them doing. I don't know. I, I don't expect all that much to see it from. I think right now, just that, because we're all working from home or <laughs> trying to survive a pandemic, we want to see, like, some basic stuff. And they're like, no, you can wait. Nah, you can. Basically, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, also in the same kind of Spider-Man vein, we didn't really get to talk about it last week. It was something interesting. Uh, so they showed off uh, Spider-Man Remastered. And it looks better. I, I'll say that much. It looks better. Um, I personally didn't notice all that much of a difference, at least in terms of um, graphical stuff. It just looks like it runs like the way it was supposed to run. That's kind of it. I mean, at least I don't know. I I may I may not be impressed by it, but it was really like what six frames per second, right? Yeah, that was that was the most impressive part to me was the sixty yeah. FPS for sure. But yeah, other than that, smooth. I didn't I didn't see all that much beyond that, like shorter loading times, mm -hmm. less pop in, a little bit of pop in on textures, very very. Only if you like, only if you're like have the microscope out going at like each individual frame, like. Yes, I see it. Yeah, because that was already a, a, a good-looking game. So basically, they're just squeezing like that extra little nine tenths out of it. I guess you could say. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And I feel a way about. I, I feel a bit about like charging for this as a remaster. I think there's something inherently dumb about a remaster of a game that's two years old. But that's just me. Evidently, I'm in the minority based on how many people I see excited for. So it is what it is. But uh, there's there's one kind of odd thing, isn't there, Ivan? Like one little... Yeah. Like it's not even bad, it's just... Huh? And I'm going to say, I don't care what anybody says. They want him to look like Tom Holland. I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> they they reshaped the face of the Peter Parker model. He no longer looks like he used to. He looks like a mixture between the old guy and... Tom Holland. Like, I mean, they said...
I mean, they said, like, oh, we wanted to get closer to what Yuri looks like, and it's like, mm, why didn't you do that the first time? <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't believe them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I really don't believe them. He, he looks way too much like Tom Holland for just to be coincidence. Um, what was what was the official answer? They said like, oh, well, we wanted to like look closer to his to uh, Yuri's face, so we could better capture like some works in his. Yeah, yeah. They, I don't. They went with a different actor. Hold on, let me pull up the names so I don't get them wrong right now. Um, here we go. Okay, yeah. So they recast him instead of using uh, John Bugniak who was the previous facial model, they've now cast Ben Jordan. And you're right. I don't care what anyone says, Ivan. He 100% looks way more like Tom Holland now. It could be, like, he does. It, he, he does. It's, it's fine. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, objectively, he does. <laughs> um, I think the, interest, the, the one thing I'm going to say about this is it's kind of interesting that he looks a lot younger now. And I would actually argue he looks younger than Miles Morales, even though yeah. he's supposed to be, you know, in the mentorship role because he's older than him. He's way more experienced in crime fighting than him. So that's going to be a little weird. But um, but I mean, outside of that, like, it's a change. It's it's fine. It's still Peter Parker, clearly. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Sam, because that was my f first thought, too. When they showed kind of like the comparison, he was like. This new Spider-Man looks really young. Like he, he looks like he could pass for like 17 or something like that. He he's really young looking. But at the end of the day, like you said, it's still Peter Parker. It's like, eh, whatever. It's the same game, just different face, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna okay, I'll say this on on top of the, the age thing. In addition to Miles Morales, if they haven't changed the way they look, it's gonna be a little interesting seeing him interact with Mary Jane and Black Cat as well. <laughs> That's going to be okay, alright, what are we doing here? But, is what it is. It is what it is. Alright, last topic. Uh, something that actually happened today. Things are, you know, it's always more fun to talk about stuff that happened today, because Monday is always a very fun time. So, uh, we had an announcement uh, that Cyberpunk has gone gold. Meaning they have finally finished uh, Cyberpunk 2077. At this point, they're just working on bugs. A scale yep. is complete. Done. Play uh, in November when it um so a little bit of context uh feel free to correct me Sam or Mike just uh, I just want to make sure we cover all our bases here uh last week we had an announcement formally from CD Projekt Red that they were going to bring mandatory crunch mode uh, meaning that they are now going to be working six days a week as opposed to five and uh, this is only a big deal because in the past they have said they were never going to do crunch crunch is bad. That's pretty much what they told yeah. everybody. Uh, this is the first time yeah. people are doing mandatory crunch. They're having people who are, like who did it willingly, but now right. this is mandatory right. crunch. It, it was voluntary before this, I believe. It was like, hey, if you wanna, you can do it, and you get your extra paycheck and get more work done or whatever. But like now, it is it is mandatory. Um, and I, I, I said I talked about this on Game Perspective, so I don't really want to rehash my opinion on the crunch issue too much here. I'll just say this. The bigger issue to me is not that you're doing it. It's that you had a big interview that you made a big deal of saying, we're not going to do this. Kind of feels like you were tempting fate. If there was even the slightest possibility it could happen. That's just me. I don't know how y'all feel. That's just kind of my opinion. on It's like, don't count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely kind of like a jank. It's like, Oh, we're not going to do crunch. It's like, you're, you're, you're asking for it at that point. Right, like it's it's a creative field. The chance of a game needing crunch at the end. Not, I'm not talking about sustained crunch, you know, throughout the development cycle, because I would point to something being clearly wrong, like what we saw with Anthem and Bioware. I mean, like the chances that a game will need a few weeks of crunch towards the end to get bugs out is high. It's very, very overwhelmingly high. So don't don't jinx yourself by saying you're not going to do it. I know for me, there was a good conversation on gaming perspective uh, that I got to tune in for a little For me personally, I mean, yeah, crunch sucks. There's the ideal everybody working like a 40-hour work week and 
like, oh yeah, the project will be done whenever it's done. Like it, it, that's a great ideal to have, but it's yep. living in a fantasy land. Work that way. <sighs> Whether there's not like an official release date or not, when games are going into development, there is an expected when the game is supposed window. And if you miss that window, there are going to be repercussions. For like, like okay, normally a good good um good planner will say okay, we we're gonna make sure we have enough budget to keep everybody paid for like at least one at least through the whole time here, and if we have to delay, we can still get by on the second port. Like they'll normally plan for something like that, but Cyberpunk got delayed like twice now. Supposed to come out. Yeah, it was originally supposed to come out in April, and then it was supposed to come out in September. Yeah, it's been delayed twice now, and it, November is do or die. You do not miss this the, date anymore. The optics of delaying it, even though the thing is, this game 100% could have gotten away with it, to be clear. Like, the hype, I don't think people understand how big the hype for this game is. This game is going to be comparable to a GTA launch. Seriously, I'm, I'm dead serious. I just want to put that out there right now. Like, this game is going to be massive, but they could have gotten away with delaying it. If yeah, they had some too. But it, it's more that, like, okay, my, my mentality personally when it comes to delays is everybody gets one. You can delay it one time. Delay it more than that, I'm done. Like, for me, like, my hype level for Cyberpunk is pretty low right now because they've already broken that rule. But I will happily, I'm still going to play it. But, like, they don't, they don't get benefit of the doubt anymore. I get. COVID gives me a little more sympathy towards it. <laughs> but still, as a general yeah, rule, I, I was, get one I was, delay. I was going to say, like, you got you to gotta adjust that rule now, given the pandemic and how that's thrown yeah. things off here. Like, that's not... Before, I could understand you saying that, um, but now it's like, okay, you, you got you to gotta give a little more wiggle room. For here. this like, year, this you get, you get, everybody gets two this year <laughs> hey um, that's the deal here but yeah when it comes to crunch i also find it really weird have the video game market everybody pretends like crunch is such a bad evil thing that no one should ever do it but almost every other industry that has like goals and deadlines they do their own version of crunch my job has crunch <laughs> we have crunch like the last week of every month <laughs> We're working balls to the wall the last last week of every month. No, everybody's got crunch to some extent. Every it's just it's so weird that this particular industry it's a bad thing. All of a sudden, yeah, I don't I don't now, know if you. Heard I will my, say, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I will say there's different kinds of crunch, and I think I think that's I think what we need to be focusing on. There are certain yes. types of crunch that are wrong, uh, for sake of keeping it easy. CD Project Red of CD Project Red's version of Crunch, where it's like, "Hey, I need you to work an extra day a week for six weeks, and you're and you're going to get paid overtime." Yeah, yeah and, and, and eight is... hours, not a big deal, honestly. Like that, that does. I had that same that same opinion. Like that doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. Like I'm not sure I would really call that Crunch. I mean, it, it, we think of crunch. Yeah, crunch is a I've actually had some developers. I'm not going to name names here, but I've had some developers tell me they personally don't like how big of a term it's become because there's different kinds. And they said there is a difference between crunch and death march. Death March is like what you have happened where uh, like what happened with Bioware and Anthem, where in 2017 or even 2016, before the game was announced, you had teams just, you know, working 90 hour weeks only for months later, the direction to completely change and features to get shelved. It's like, y'all, what are we doing here? Like, come on. Um, Like, that's that's not the same thing as although the latter, it's not like any kind is okay or ideal there is a big difference between that and okay y'all we're not delaying this thing again like let's let's get down to brass tacks we have to fix this stuff it's gonna take a couple of extra weeks 
And then also, like, I would I would also point out that there's a difference between U.S. and Polish labor laws, or actually a difference between the U.S. and everywhere else. But um, in Poland in particular, you are guaranteed payment for any kind of overtime, even if you're salary. That's not the case in the U.S. <laughs> that is not even remotely the case oh, in the not. U.S. Does not work that way over here, as anyone on the salary can attest. Yep. So. And that's the thing, too. Like, I look at... Well, is it, there is a difference there. Like, I think when people talk about crunch, what they're really talking about is Naughty Dog crunch, where it's like you're spending, you're spending your whole night over at the office, uh, you're sleeping under your desk, working 90, 100-hour weeks. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. Like, that kind, obviously, I think people are, like, it's wrong. You don't do that kind of crunch. But then all at the same time, like, work an extra day, like, what if they even told them, like, hey, look, you just work two hours extra a week, or every day, rather, an extra two hours every day, same time. Like, if right, that was like, the we case, don't know the details of it. Like, no, it's not. And you bring up a good point, because I'm in the same boat as you. Like, when I think of crunch, I feel like, I, I, I think of somebody, like, they're, they're working, like, 16, 17-hour days. They're, they're sleeping at the office. They can't see their family or their friends because that's literally all they're doing. They have absolutely zero work-life balance or close to zero. Like when somebody says crunch, that, that that's that's what uh, that, that's what my mind instantly jumps to would be a situation like that. But yeah, so I mean that's a that's a whole um so little little bit here that. That happened today for a little bit of drama news. Um, <laughs> so CD Projekt Red put out this tweet saying, "Oh, we've gone gold! Yay! Happy go lucky us!" Uh, Jason Schreier, formerly working at Kotaku, now working at uh, put out a little tweet. Um, I'm just gonna paraphrase for you guys something along the lines of, "Oh, congratulations on going gold! I know all those overworked people are." Happy, they got to work on make fixing bugs now. Training on the parade, so to speak. That's really what happened here. And put it this way: Jason Schreier has a history of not giving a damn on Twitter. Uh, he does not care who you are. He doesn't care what you care, anything about you. Will go after you if he can. Um, the part where I realized this was when he started going Ruckman and Hug. Um, I realized that that happened a couple months ago. Uh, more recently, uh, what's happened this time is you had Paris from Gamertag Radio, uh, who's kind of like blown up in the last whatever. Um, decided to respond to Jason Schreier, basically saying, oh, you're a jerk with an agenda. Uh, you have something you want to you prove. Uh, you want to stroke your own ego. Things of that kind of nature. Uh, Jason decided to respond to that and basically accused him of being a shill uh, because Paris has no notably been a very large proponent for CD, uh, for CD Projekt Red, specifically Cyberpunk 20. And I uh, got like free merchandise, like gaming chair, and other things. I believe he got like a custom, like a customized uh, Cyberpunk Xbox at one point. Like he's gotten, not a, he's not Paris is not a reviewer. He's not a journalist. Some guy on a podcast, influence, and he got a bunch of stuff. Jason basically took it past saying like, "Look, you're the one who's been bought off here." Like, I don't accept gifts from I'll speak my mind. Very interesting stuff. Um, to kind of like launch this like mini discussion about journalism. That kind of thing. I kind of want to get your guys' impressions on that aspect. Oh, not necessarily the beef per se, but the side effect. It's working the discussion around it, not like in sure. itself. Like, um, like okay, Mike, do you mind influence. if I tackle this one first? Sure. No, go right ahead. Um, yeah, so I think it's an interesting discussion. We do not have time to go into all the nuances about how I feel about it. 
<laughs> just to be blunt, I think it's a whole thing. Um, I will say that there's a couple of different things I would I would point out, like within game journalism, quotation marks, uh, heavy there in bold italicized font, you have different types of roles. You have different people like I do everything. OK, I, I, I literally do everything like name it and I will I have done it. I have found a way to do it. You have other people like Jason. He specializes in reporting. He hasn't reviewed games at Bloomberg. Right. He just he's a reporter. He reports. Um, you have other people who might focus specifically on SEO and SEO content and, you know, for like, you know, getting your website to do better or product links, et cetera, et cetera, affiliate revenue, that, that sort of thing. And then you have influencers on the influencing side who are basically, as far as I'm aware, one man stand shows, right? Or like maybe you're a part of a group, maybe you're a part of a podcast, but at the end of the day, it's you managing the PR, but you also got to do this, but you also got to do that. Um, I'm not going to say who's right or who's wrong in any of that, because I think that robs it of the nuance of of the issue of itself of what it is. But I will say back in 2014, what game was it? Shat was it Shadow of Mordor? It was like a, a a marketing company. It wasn't Warner Brothers proper. It was like a marketing company they worked with. Basically had a bunch of YouTubers who were paid to promote the game. Not exactly disclosed that they were paid to promote the game. And it actually got to the point where the government stepped in. Like the U.S. government, which doesn't care about anything and never steps in on anything, basically stepped in and said, hey, uh, no, not cool. You're going to disclose this stuff. The FCC, I believe, someone correct me if I'm wrong, uh, was the division that had to just step in and just put an end to it. They're like, uh-uh, this doesn't work. So I will cautiously say two things. And I know that's wishy-washy, but it is what it is. That's what you're getting out of me. Cautious statement number one. Within an outlet, like a journalistic outlet, there is a network of accountability. Doesn't mean I agree with everything anyone says. Doesn't mean I like certain people. Doesn't mean that everything is always hunky-dory or there isn't an agenda. It means that at the end of the day, they have people they are responsible to go and talk to when they screw up. That's what I mean. Like there is an accountability, hey, what the hell above them, in theory. There is not on the influencer side. That being said, I also, to counter that, will say that the idea that because you have received something for free means you cannot critically engage with it is disingenuous at absolute best, downright malicious at worst. Yeah. Because I have gotten plenty of free swag, and I will not name names. I'm not going to name anyone names out here. Some of the best swag I've gotten when I was like in E3 wandering around is from companies that I really don't want to have anything to do with or got busted for some skeevy stuff going on or like, oh, this isn't cool. Like and controversial and on the contrary, we're not controversial. I suppose it's controversial. I've gotten swag from companies that was like, hey, this is great. Yeah. Like, I don't care that you gave me this cool thing. I really don't. I, I literally file it into a different part of my brain. I can partition it off and it doesn't affect the way I think. That may not be the case for all people, though. I don't know. Anyways, that's my wishy-washy bunch of commentary. Yeah, I agree with you, Sam, and I'm going to stay away from the drama aspect of it. Um, I think you guys probably already know my feelings on it if you follow me on Twitter. But um, going back to what you said with the Shadow of Mortar situation, I do remember that. Um, and I think that combined with a, a couple years later, what happened with T. Martin and the whole CSGO Lotto fiasco. I think those two yeah. events really are what contributed to the government stepping in and saying like, hey, if if you own this pro this site's product or if you're getting sponsorships or if there's, you, you have to disclose this stuff, I think it was those two events that really spurred that, especially in the YouTube streets, so to speak. Um, I'm going to agree with you that to say that because somebody got free stuff that they're getting sent swag from a company that they can't be objective and they can't be critical. Um, I think that's a dangerous mindset to get into because if you apply that logic, then nobody could be objective then. So, I mean, obviously re um, reviewers at gaming websites, they get review codes for games uh, all the time. 
And if they review a game and they really like it and they give it a nine out of 10 or a 10 out of 10, are you really going to question them? Like, Hmm, they got a free review code for this great game. Are they really being objective? And you can't, I, I, I like I said, I think that's a dangerous mindset um, to fall into. So, I mean, the situation is what it is at this point. Um, what's done is done. Um, I do remember an instance a few years ago when I think it was, it was, it was digital foundry um, got the specs unveiling for the Xbox one X when Microsoft was hyping that up. Um, and apparently Microsoft flew dig the digital foundry people out to Seattle um, to demo it with them and go over the hardware. And um Schreier insinuated something like, oh, well, you know, Microsoft did pay for pay to fly them there and all this other stuff. When you guys know in the gaming sphere that Digital Foundry is probably the most objective gaming outlet out there because all they're doing is presenting facts. To the Shout viewers. out to those guys, by the way. Right. They put up with way too much crap. They really do. And all by comparison to everyone else. <laughs> right. And all they ever do is just prevent facts. This is how this game runs. These are the specs of this console. There's nothing else behind it. Um, so he kind of has a history of doing that over the years. And again, I think that's a really it's a really dangerous mindset. And I think you hit hit the nail on the head. It's disingenuous as well. Yeah, I, I personally don't have a problem with because I think with them it's a how do I put past put with reviewers, there's the expectation of at least trying to have objective criticism. Like it may not be they're not saying like purely objective, like you know, like capital O philosophy platonic form objective. Talk about that. But I mean it's more of a there is a purpose behind this gift. It is to evaluate it and create uh, influencers are not given that for that purpose. Want you to play the games, so talk good about it, so you, we get promoted. That is the ultimate behind them giving. For a reviewer, though, you're giving them this to be critiqued and hopefully give good promotion. That's not the expectation. That's what you're. The hope that you're gonna like it, you're gonna promote it, but they're not gonna. That's not the, the intended uh, purpose. Behind like when a promoter gets something and there's that clip that was floating around on kind of funny uh lately they're talking to that there i don't know what her name saying like oh i don't like playstation because it give me free she was very blunt about saying that too um i don't know if it was intended to be a joke or anything i'm not gonna pretend like i know but i'm gonna take her face value i'm pretty sure she was joking considering she's an accomplished voice actress I, I just want to put that out. I'm I'm 99.9 percent .9 sure she was being snarky because Greg is a known guy for having liked PlayStation a lot in the past. Like you, you got to keep contexting there. I mean, it's it's that idea is that people are like, okay, if you're a promoter though, there is no expectation that you're going to seek something. The expectation is that you play it, you will like it. Um, so there's that. I I don't know though. Kind of the just. Um. So. I kind of it kind of wraps up that little portion there. I'm not. We're not going to get into who was right or who was wrong, uh, on a personal level because it sounds fighting to me. Like funny either. So. Um. Anyway. We kind of wrap things up here. Uh. As we kind of. Round up, uh, round up the kind of last little bit. Um, anything you want to say before we uh, head out? No, I'm Obviously. good. It's nearly here. We're almost there. We've almost made it. <laughs> five weeks, basically, less than five weeks. And uh, yep. hang on, <laughs> just hang on. <laughs> it's been a year, y'all. It, it's been a year. All right. Uh, so do our outro. Sam, where can you find you, sir? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Samuel Tolbert. That's uh, T-O-L-B-E-R-T. You can also find what I write on Windows Central, Android Central, iMore, 
um yeah come come check it out i uh still chugging along still chugging along hopefully i can't say too much right now i'm i should be able to say something really 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 cool in a couple of weeks i'll put that out there though oh nice And Mike. All right, guys, you could find me on Twitter at the truth of Mike P uh, Xbox, PlayStation, pretty much everywhere else at Mike P the truth. You can also find where I write on, find what I write on level one gaming at LV one gaming.com. Make sure to keep an eye out for fame's Twitter feed and spam him. Whenever I put an article out that you don't agree with. <laughs> And I'm Ivan, uh, or is AK Anchorman V2, Xbox. Uh, we're going to get out of here, get back to gaming and such. So thank you guys for tuning in. It's much appreciated.